continue in our series, Behold New. Anytime, anytime God says behold, by the way, it's a pretty cool word in the Bible. I think that the word behold is really awesome because it just means, hey, check this out, y'all. Uh, this is pretty cool, y'all. This is amazing. You're not going to believe this. He says behold. I think that's really cool that God uses that word, behold. So I, I think that anytime we see that word in God's word, we need to say buckle up. That's what we need to say because what I'm about to say is very transformative. And what I'm about to say is something that will renew your life and I think that that's really cool how God says, Behold, I am making all things new. And today he has made us new, and I am so thankful for that. Um, this is something that I actually, uh, I didn't write this. This was written by Anonymous. I don't know who Anonymous is, but he writes some really good stuff, you know. He writes some really bad stuff, too, but he writes some really good stuff, too. So whoever Anonymous is, kudos to him because he wrote this one. Before God's footstool to confess... A poor soul knelt and bowed his head. I failed, he cried. The master said, Thou didst thy best. That is success. I, I was listening one time to um, Phil Robertson. Uh, you, you know the Duck Dynasty folks. So Phil Robertson was talking, and, and he was talking about when God transformed his life and when he came to faith in Christ that what God revealed, because he was going out to bars and he was living a, a crazy lifestyle and all this kind of stuff, and, and what he says was that, that God just like gave him this word, and I think it's a very profound word that a lot of us, we tend to overlook sometimes. Um, he said God was, was convincing him to do what was right and to do what was good, and he said, God just convinced me and told me, try. Try to do what's right. Try to do what is best. I, I think sometimes we get so hung up on perfection and being up here that sometimes we feel like, well, it's not even worth trying because I know I'll never reach that. And so many people get wrapped up in this legalistic mindset that they, they say, man, I'm, I'm going to fall short, so why even try? You ever felt that way? I, I, I actually know a guy, and he, he's, he's a, a leader, and he's in a company, and, and he's the boss of some other people that I know, as a matter of fact. Um, and, and this group is in a very, very low place of morale. And the reason they're in a low place of morale is because this particular boss, um, he, he refuses to see any good that is in what the people are doing. He refuses to see that people are trying. All he talks about is what they're not doing, what they fail, fall short on, how they failed, how they have not done everything that he has asked, and that is all that he tends to focus on. Some of you have had a boss like this. Some of you have had a teacher like this. Some of you have had a parent that is like this. Like all they do, and some of you have had a spouse who is like this. And all they do is point out the bad and not the good. And how demoralizing is that when that happens? It makes you not want to try, does it not? It makes you go, well, why, why am I doing this if no matter what I do, it's not going to be good enough anyway? Have you ever felt like that? Oh, what a terrible place to be. As Christians, if we're truly going to try to encourage people to try, then we have to look at them with a new perspective. When, when they are transformed by the power of God, when they come to faith in Christ, we need to say, you know what? You are new. 
and I see you as new. And I see the good in you. As opposed to making them feel like they're less than or pointing back to their past and say, well, you can never really be new. You can never really be good because of what you did back there. Do you remember that? Now, we may not do that confrontationally and out front. We may not say those words, but sometimes our actions reflect those words, do they not? Well, you can't really do that because, you know what, you, I know that you're new, but, but you kind of came from this, so therefore, you're not really new. Now, this is what I'm not saying. Let me clarify something. This is not what, I, what I'm saying, okay? People have to prove and they have to demonstrate that they are indeed new. And sometimes it takes some time for that to happen. When somebody comes to faith in Christ or, or maybe they've, they, they've, they've fallen away from Christ and they've come back to Christ and now they're pursuing God and they're doing everything that they can, you, you can't just automatically say, you know what? Everything's good. You're fine. You used to be a child molester, but now you're good. We'll let you go work in the children's department. That's not what it works. That's not the way that it works. There are still times when we got to be logical and we have got to be reasonable about the things that we do, okay? But at the same time, as Christians, we are supposed to encourage people in this new life that they're in. We're supposed to say, you know what? Look, I've got junk in my past too. I've been messed up in my past too. Uh, God transformed me, and now I am new. And, and you know what? God can do the same for you. And then when you do that, and people come to that faith in Christ, and we tell them that they're new, we need to treat them like they're new, you know? Because it's very demoralizing to think, you know what? I came to faith in Christ, and I'm trying my best, but I'm still held back. The people, even in the church, still look at me in a different way because of what's in my past. It's, it's a difficult place to move forward. As we talk about becoming new, we, we've looked at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at there again today. As we talk about being new, there are two sides to this. One is, what do I do since I have messed up, since I have screwed up sometime in my past, and, and now I am trying to pursue God? What do I do? How do I handle that? Because in the church, we always talk about a lot about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, it's going to mess you up. If you do this, it's going to mess you up. Okay, fine. That's great and wonderful. And yes, we know that there are boundaries that God sets for us, and we should stay within those boundaries. But what if we have messed up? What do we do now? And we need to talk about that. But the other piece of that that we need to talk about is how do we treat people who have now, they have messed up, but now they are in a new place, and how do we react to them? And last week we talked about looking at people through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, looking at people through the eyes of, of, of the Spirit that God, that God says will give life and peace. Because if we look through the eyes of flesh, we will look at people and we will see death. But if you are truly a born-again Christian, if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you will listen to the Holy Spirit. You have this, you, you have this ability to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit that exists within you that allows you to see people in a different light. Now, if you, if you don't really, you're like, ah, yeah, well, well yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying, Kenny. This is what I want you to think back to. Think back to when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ. Think back to the way that, that you behaved. Think back to the things that you thought about. Think back to how grace-filled you were towards every other human being that you encountered. Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like when you first came to faith in Christ and you said, you know what, I, I, I know where I was, I know what I did, and I, need, I see how God transformed me, but I look around and I see these other people that need Christ too. 
I look around and see these other people that have messed up. They screwed up just like me. And, and, and man, they, they need Jesus just like me. And how grace-filled we were when we first came to faith in Christ. I think that, that we lose a little bit of that over time, don't you? I think that we, we lose a little bit of that grace mentality, that following the Holy Spirit. When you're first indwelled with the Holy Spirit, it is like, man, I see things differently now. It's like somebody took the blinders off my eyes, and now I see things differently now. But over time, I feel like those blinders tend to creep back in. And we get wrapped up in legalism. We get wrapped up into look what they did and how they messed up. And that's all we see as opposed to seeing them through these grace-filled eyes that God has given us. So in Romans chapter 8, we're going to be looking at that a little bit. I'm going to back up to get a running start at this. Now, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is writing to the Roman church, and he, he, he tells people like, Look, I know the struggle. I know the struggle of life. Why do I continue to do the things I don't want to do? And why do I not do the things that I know I should do? Like, I, I don't want to do that. Why do I continue to struggle with that? God, release me from that. And the reality is, just like Paul comes to the understanding that, you know what? As long as we are contained within this human flesh, as long as we are contained within this earth that is full of sin and destruction and and, and, uh, you know, and, and Satan is ruling and, and has his powers in this world, we are going to continue to struggle with that. But at the same time, Paul says, okay, that's where we were. Now let's look at the reality of the fact of who we are in Christ Jesus. And he starts out in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Boy, those powerful words, right? I had to back up and say Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have had something in your past and you have messed up in your past, but now your faith is in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. I think that we as believers need to look through those eyes as well. There's no condemnation for you because now you're in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian... And let's say you've messed up. Let's say you've done something wrong. Which I don't know any Christians in here that's ever done that. Do you? Any followers of Jesus ever said, you know what? I kind of messed up yesterday. Maybe you blew up at your boss. Maybe I, I, there's, I'm not going to list every sin that somebody might have committed yesterday. But I'm just saying, like, you messed up. And, and what do I do now? Remember this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says to the Roman church, So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're wondering if God loves you, if you're wondering if God really forgave you, if you're wondering if God uh, really can get past what it is that you have done, remember Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful, beautiful verse of scripture for us to memorize right something that should dwell in our hearts every single day and is transformative when you think about it it's enough to to save every human being on the earth that has ever existed so now there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus one verse that can transform the whole world for all of eternity and paul goes on and he he's talking about the sinful nature versus the flesh and he talks about those who are dominated by the sinful nature. And then he starts talking to the Christians in verse 9. That's where we're going to pick up today. He says, but you are not controlled 
by your sinful nature. In some versions, you might have written in your Bible, it says, you are not obligated to the sinful nature. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we will never sin? Is that what that means? That you will never sin? No, that's not at all what that means. It says this, basically, is that you are not bound by sin. You are not bound to do what sin tells you to do. You see, sometimes we look at sin and we see that it has control over us. We see that it has power over us. And God tells us that sin has no power over you. That you are not bound to, you are not obligated to the sinful nature. You have a choice. You have a choice as a Christian. Can you believe that? That you have a choice. I think that most of us, man, we want to choose the right way so much, don't we? We want to take that choice that God has given us, take the power that the, that, the, that the Holy Spirit of God has given us that gives us life and peace, and man, we want to embrace that. But just remember, every time that you don't, it's a choice. Oh, that's tough, right? I don't like hearing that either. When God spoke that to me, I was like, I don't like hearing that. He says it's a choice to follow the sinful nature or to follow the Spirit. You got a choice each and every time, and every time, I mean... We don't like to think about it, but every time we do something to sin, that's a choice. It's a conscious choice that we're making. And here, he's saying, but you, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, somebody who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Man, there's so many of these passages I just want to read two or three times, right? Like... I mean, we could spend all day right there. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Now, that's, that's some tough stuff right there, right? Because that kind of makes you evaluate yourself. That kind of makes you examine yourself a little bit and go, okay, well, am I in Christ or am I not in Christ? And those that are in Christ, they're not bound by the sinful nature. But those who are not in Christ... They are tied to sin. They're obligated to sin. And he says, now you've got to look at yourself. Now you've got to see if you're in Christ or you're not in Christ. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to mortal bodies by those, by this same spirit living within you. So here he is saying this. We covered this a little bit last week. It was worth repeating. That the same power that, has, that, that, that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit of God that existed in Jesus that caused him to be able to be raised from the dead is the very same spirit of God that lives within you if you are a Christ follower. If Jesus lives within you, we want to tap into that spirit, don't we? We want to tap into the spirit of God that lives within us. If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're like, man, I want to, I want to do the right thing. I want to follow the spirit. I want, to, I want to not follow the flesh. Well, it's a choice. It's a choice every single time. And here he's saying, you know what? This, this power exists within you, but you're not tapping into it. I really think that that's, that's what Paul's really just kind of bringing to light for us now. That this power is so strong, it has the power to raise the dead. So much so that it had the power to raise you from the dead. 
Because you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, then the Spirit of God comes in and raises you to life. And you don't need to forget how powerful the Spirit is. I think sometimes that's what changes us uh, over time. As we begin to look at people and we begin to look back at their past, I believe it's because we begin to look uh, with them as the a sinful nature and the sinful nature starts to creep back in. Why? Because we forget about the power of God that actually exists within us. We, f- we forget... We forget so often about the power of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection within us. We forget so often about what it felt like when we first came to faith in Jesus Christ and how transformed we were. And we forget. And then as soon as you start to forget the power that exists within you, the sinful nature will just begin to take over. It'll just continue to take over and take over and take over. He goes on to say, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its its dictates, you will die. But if you live through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. And you put to death the deeds of your spiritual nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So here, here we go on to say, he says, brothers and sisters. First of all, he's talking to Christians. It's the first thing that we need to recognize. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to the sinful nature. You are no longer bound to the sinful nature. He says, therefore, because he's trying to remind you and he's trying to transition from this idea of you being controlled by the sinful nature. Let me remind you, therefore, brothers and sisters, Christians who are in Christ Jesus, you are no longer have obligation to what your sinful nature urges you to do. I think that... um, I think in my life, you know, I look, at, I look at the things I do that displease God, you know. I look at the things that I do and I go, man, why did I do that? Why did I mess up that way? Why, why, why did, and, and I have, so admittedly in my own life, I'll tell you what, what, what one of my struggles really is in, in my life. This is, and that is, um, I, when I get under pressure sometimes, I tend to blow up. <laughs> Anybody else feel like that? You tend to. You know, you feel like you're being squeezed and then you kind of explode a little bit. I have to, <laughs> I've done that a few times where I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have been controlled by the Spirit as opposed to being controlled by the flesh. And, and, and you, know, you know what I'm talking about when I say being controlled by the flesh is that anger wells up inside of you and you have all these thoughts of revenge and you know, like you want to yell at somebody. And all. I don't, I'm not really a yeller, okay? I, I don't. I don't know that I yell, except at you guys, like every Sunday. But um, aside from that, I'm not really a yeller, you know. And, and, and man, this thing, I can feel, can you feel your blood pressure going up, you know, what I'm talking about? I'm trying to be very candid with you because I, I know that some of you may struggle the same way I do. But, like, you feel like you're being attacked. You feel like you're being squeezed. And then you feel that blood pressure going up, and you're just like, you know, and then you say something. Oh, no, if I could just control that, you know what I mean? Like if I just duct tape or something just to control that, and I would be a lot better off. But you explode, you say something, and then you go back, and immediately you are filled with remorse, am I right? Hopefully you're filled with remorse. If you are not filled with remorse, there's a problem. Uh, I, you, know, you know what I have to do when this happens? Because this happens to me at work sometimes. I have to go back and apologize to people. I had to do this, I, I've done this 
on two different occasions that I can think of right off the top of my head. And I, I went back to, to this lady and I said, look, the way I behaved was not appropriate. And I want you to know that. I said, what, 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 what you saw in me is not what I want my life to reflect. And I had to apologize to her. And she's like, you know, you know what? <laughs> I didn't even notice. You know, I, uh, I, I didn't notice that it was that big of a deal. I appreciate your apology, but I didn't even notice that you were behaving in a certain way. And I said, well, truth be known, I felt like and I was struggling with the way I behaved. So I had to come back and apologize to you. It didn't matter if you noticed or not, I noticed. And the Holy Spirit of God that exists within me noticed. So it was like maybe two years after this happened that I was having a conversation with this same lady who was telling me about the fact that her best friend was dying with cancer. And she was opening up to me and she was asking me why God would allow something like that to happen, somebody she loved so dearly and why you know, all these questions. She says, I know that you've been through this struggle with cancer. Why, you know, why, how, how do you do it? What do you, what do you say? What do you think? What, how do you, how do you deal with this? So I had the opportunity to present the gospel to her and tell her that Christ Jesus is the only way. And she said, you know what? She says, you may not remember this, but it was a long time ago and you came in my office and you sat down and you apologized for the way that you behaved. She said, I really didn't even notice that you had done anything wrong. I really didn't. It was like everybody else in the office. But you came in and you apologized to me. She said, I've never forgotten that. And I really believe that the, the reason she had that, that openness to be able to talk to me about her struggles is a result of me going in and letting her know that, that I struggle too, that I am not perfect, that I have issues too, that I blow up sometimes, that I, I struggle too. And she saw that within me, and she saw that I, I responded to this Holy Spirit that exists within me. And I really believe this is not to gloat about me. This is to gloat about the Holy Spirit of God. How the, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me of what I had done wrong. And then I went and responded to the Holy Spirit of God and said, I need to apologize to this lady for the way I behaved. And then sometime later in the future, the Holy Spirit of God used that very same conviction that convicted me to convict her of the fact that she needed to rely on Christ Jesus. I had a choice. I, I, I genuinely had a choice when I, when I blew up in that meeting that day. I could, I could either let my flesh rule that day, or I could listen to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God said, that's not okay. You need to go do something about it. And I had a choice. And I knew that if I listened to the flesh... If I listen to the flesh and to the flesh alone, the flesh cannot please God. And that's what we read last week in the earlier part of Romans chapter 8. The flesh is hostile to God where the Spirit gives life and peace. You know what? I went into her office and I had to tuck my tail and I had to say, man, I'm sorry for the way I behaved. And she said she didn't even notice. And I felt kind of dumb. But you know what? I felt at the same time I, felt I, I did what the Holy Spirit said to do. And that's all that really mattered. Who cares about what she thought? Who cares about whether it looked dumb? Who cares about anything else? I've followed the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, hey, when you do what's right, you are right. Am I right? And God used that. God used that. Um, another time, I don't have time to tell you all the stories of my life, but <laughs> some of you may identify with being, with struggle with anger sometimes, maybe at work, maybe at school, but... So it's another time where I kind of got frustrated in a meeting, and I, 
and I said something to a lady at work, um, and, and to me, after I thought about it, it sounded kind of harsh, and, and I, I, I called her up, <laughs> I said, I said I, we have IM, so I, I am her, hey, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I called her up and said, hey, the way I kind of lashed out at you, I apologize, that is not who I am, and I just wanted to... You know what she said? Once again, I encountered the same thing. She's like, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. That it didn't even seem harsh to me. I, but for me, it, was, it, it seemed harsh to me. So I, I, I apologized to her. Some two, three, four weeks later, I was standing at her desk when I was up in Chicago, and, and she was talking about the frustrations that, that we're experiencing and all this kind of stuff. And, and she looked at me, and she said, you know what, though? She said, I believe that, that you, have the, you have the ability to, to help transform this whole group because she said, you're the nicest person in this group. Now, that's not a very nice group if I'm the nicest person in the group, but I'm telling you, like, that's what she said to me. She said, I just want you to know that you're the nicest person in this group. My eyeballs almost fell out on the desk. I was like, wow, that's, that's something. But anyway, so, um, but it, it does. I mean, the, the, the examples that I have given you, are perfect examples of what I've experienced in my own personal life about following the flesh or following the spirit. And when, when I got in the flesh and, and the spirit convicted me, I went and I repented of that to those people and said, you know what? Not only do I have to ask forgiveness from God, but I also have to ask forgiveness from those people because that's what the Holy Spirit of God was convicting me to do. And God used those times, both of those times, to make an impact on those people's lives and to let them see Jesus Christ, which is the whole purpose of my life anyway. You're going to have this choice probably sometime this week. There is some time that the flesh is going to well up inside of you because we exist in the flesh. Until we go to be with him, we got to deal with the flesh. There's going to be a choice that you'll probably have to make sometime this week, and you'll have the choice. Do I listen to the Spirit or do I listen to the flesh? And if you listen to the flesh, you've got a chance to turn back around and say, now I'm going to listen to the Spirit and do what is right. And even if I've wronged somebody, i got to go make it right. And I believe that if we do that, I believe when we do that, I believe the Holy Spirit of God uses that. Even in our failures, God uses that. When we acknowledge that we're weak, God uses that to transform people's life through the power of the Spirit. This last section I just want to read to you and talk about it for just a sec. It's a song that we sing, as a matter of fact. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear. You know that song? Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. This, you don't, when you read this, you don't grasp the power of what's been said here. Now we call him Abba, Father. I can't, words seem so fruitless to be able to explain to you how powerful that is. You see, the children of Israel, when they thought about God, they would think about the wrath of God, and they would think about the, how powerful God was, and how he delivered them from the Egyptians, and how, you know, he would cause plagues to fall on entire nations, and like, just immense power when he would part 
part the Red Sea and, and people would be able to walk through on dry ground. And, and like they would have all these imageries of the power and the wrath and the strength of God. But here, Paul has these transformative words. And he says, you know what? You're his adopted children. Now, adopted children, that says something to me. Are all adopted children, are they perfect? Matter of fact, none of them are perfect. Most adopted children, they've either, they, they've been left by their parents for some reason. For one reason or another. It, it could have happened for multiple reasons. But some adopted children are ones that, that, that weren't wanted by their original parents. And God takes us in all of our messed up ways and all of our jacked up ways and, and the fact that we follow the flesh more than we follow the spirit and all those things and he adopts us and says, you're mine. You're, you're part of my family. As children of God, he brings us into his family. And then not only that, not only that, he says, then you have the power to call him Abba Father. Now this, this is a, such a dear, dear term it's really literally meaning daddy. Daddy. Now, I don't know, for some of you, uh, you're, you're a dad, and you know what this is like. When my daughter says, daddy, all bets are off. Okay, so there's, there's some men in here that are like smirking at me right now, because you know what I'm talking about. Um, daddy, daddy. And she, sometimes she even goes so far as to call me the southern term, diddy. Hey, daddy. And usually when, it's when we're in Disney World and she's wanting to ask me for, to buy something, that's usually what happens, okay? Admittedly, that's where it happens most of the time. But, man, when she says that, when she says, Daddy, when she says, Daddy, my ears immediately perk up. Everything else in the world stops, and I listen to what she's saying. Because what she says matters to me. Because I love her so much, and I care about her so much. When she calls me that word, man, I am drawn in immediately to whatever she says. When my oldest daughter was struggling with cancer, and she got towards the end of her life, um, she had a blockage in basically the, the fluid that goes to her brain. Her spinal fluid was being blocked, so she was conscious, but she wouldn't open her eyes. She really didn't have the ability to speak, and I, I, it's, it's difficult to talk about this, okay? But they said we can do a couple things. One of the things we can do is we can do a, a spinal tap, and we can remove some of the pressure off her spinal fluid by removing some of that fluid. And, and, and what the nurse told me, and I, I don't know if anybody else was around to hear this, but she said when, when they, they took the spinal fluid off and she spoke, she said, Daddy. I would have given my life in a second. I would have laid on that hospital bed and given my life in a second just so she could have another two minutes of her life. Because she said, Daddy. She said, Daddy. I think about that when I read those words. I think about that when I, when I see that we've gotten this chance to call him daddy Abba father that's how much he loves us when we speak everything else stops everything else gets quiet when we, when we speak 
You know what he hears? He hears us and he hears us alone. He says, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to meet their needs. I'm going to do whatever I can to do what's best for them. And Paul says to the Roman church, he says, look, I know, I know that you do a lot of things that you don't want to do. And I know you don't do a lot of things that you want to do. I know that. But don't forget this simple fact. That he adopted us with all of our jacked up ways. And he wants us to call him daddy. I don't know if it gets any better than that. I don't know if it gets any better. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And he goes on in the next few verses to talk about the future glory and the suffering that exists as a result of that. And maybe we'll go there at some point. I don't know. But I will say this. If you're wondering if, as a Christian, you're going to struggle, the answer is this. Yes, you will. If you're wondering if you're going to have the choice to choose between the spirit and the flesh and you'll have to make that choice some, sometime this week, the answer is yes, you will. If you're wondering if you're going to have an encounter with somebody who has a past or has done something in the past and now they've come to Christ Jesus and you're to look at them differently, you're supposed to look at them with the eyes of the spirit, yes, you will. Yes, you will. As you're given this choice, as you're given this choice, this week, this is what I want you to think about. That he adopts us in as children of God. That we are heirs to his throne, we are heirs to his glory. To think about being heir to the glory of God is beyond comprehension. But when you think about that, think about the fact that he allows us to call him daddy. That's his desire, for us to call him daddy. For us to have such an intimate, tight relationship with him that we look at him and that we know that he listens to us when we speak. And he wants us to call him daddy. So we started out this whole series talking about behold new, right? We started out by talking about the fact that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 21, which is what we have done every single week. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and, he, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Isn't that what a daddy does? If he has the power to, doesn't he wipe away the death, the sorrow, and the pain, the, the wipe away the tears? Isn't that what a loving father would do if he had the power to? He had the power to, so he did. You know how he did it? With his own life. When he hung on that tree for all of us 
when he took the beating that all of us deserved. When, 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 when he bled the blood that we should have bled. When we were convicted and, and on death row, he went to the cross for us. Maybe the way that you've treated somebody, maybe the way that you've looked at somebody, maybe the, the fact that you have pointed out somebody's past, and maybe that's, maybe that's what the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to you about. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to you about a broken relationship, or maybe the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to you about some brokenness that exists within you. Maybe you've forgotten the fact that he, he wants you to call him daddy. Maybe you've forgotten how intimate of a relationship he wants with you. Maybe you've forgotten that you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you and the power that, that has the ability to raise the dead. Maybe you've forgotten that. My ask of you right now is to simply do this. Listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you and do what He says do. Whatever it is, just do what He says do. I may not always understand that you're my daddy. I may not always be able to wrap my mind around what you're saying, and I may, it may not make sense to everybody else, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God that you've given me is going to do something with whatever it is I do in response to you. My only ask of you right now, respond to the Holy Spirit of God. You have a choice. You always have a choice. You can respond to the flesh or respond to the Spirit. You have a choice. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. We have a chance. God, you have opened our eyes and opened our hearts to how much you do love us and the fact that you want us to call you daddy. That we have such a close, intimate relationship with you. And God, we recognize how much we are just adopted children into your family. With all of our brokenness and all of our messed up ways, God, you have adopted us in. Lord, I just pray right now as your Holy Spirit moves in this place, as he moves in people's hearts and lives, God, I pray that we would respond to your Holy Spirit. The flesh is going to be difficult to overcome. The flesh is going to be extremely difficult. God, we're going to be so tempted to do what is easy and what is comfortable, and that's what the flesh desires. But we know that the flesh cannot please you, that the flesh is hostile to you based on what you've told us in your word. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that we just respond to your life-giving spirit, the one that you've installed inside of us and the one that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. I pray that we respond to your spirit right now and to your spirit alone. one day be heirs to your glory. Father, thank you so much.